Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Okay, so what we're doing here is uh, Advent is going to be a little bit different, maybe not too much different this year, but today's, uh, today's sermon is entitled Worship Fully, and it, it, calls, it really called for us to preach first, or me to preach first, and then us to worship second. So as we're going, if you feel like your, your worship meter's going up, that's good. That's the way this is supposed to work. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just, different is good. So it's kind of fun to flip things up. I, th- I think sometimes as church people, it's just good to have something not be exactly like we're used to it. So uh, I'm going to get started today with the message. And as Harrison pointed out, just in case you came in late or you weren't here last week, um, the word Advent, we are now in our Advent season. Today is the, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, the word Advent means the arrival of someone who is or something that is very important. And as I said last week, when you take the little word the and you put it in front of Advent, when you're talking about the Advent, you're talk, we are talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to this earth over 2,000 years ago, bringing not only the first Christmas but bringing us our salvation um, in Him and Him alone because of, of that first advent, Him coming, we are washed clean. Um, we are made whole. We are set free. And so what we're doing this advent season is we're going to take the typical advent journey, but we're going down a more unusual path. Um, instead of, of exploring those traditional inner transformation themes of love, joy, hope, and peace, This year, we're going to explore themes of freedom. We're going to talk about how Jesus Christ came and he set us free. He set us free to worship fully. Um, He set us free to spend less, which that's probably good news right now in the season that we're in. Um, he, He set us free to give more, and he also set us free to love fully. So this week, we're going to explore this wonderful, amazing topic of worshiping fully. We were set free. We've been set free to worship God fully. So uh, here, if you will, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but try and hear it like it's the first time you ever heard it, okay? Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly, 
a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for the stark contrast of Advent against the backdrop of this world. That, Lord, every one of us are are, are busy all day long, every day, doing so many things. Uh, Father, our attention is divided between uh, crisis and and just the mundane, things that pop up unexpectedly, things that just feel sometimes even like a flat tire in our lives. And, Lord, we come in as well, and, and, and maybe the same way ourselves today, Lord, some of us come in and We're joyful. Some of us feel a bit rattled. Some of us have an emptiness that's been a part of us for uh, way too long. Others have been just riding high. And um, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that right now in these moments, we are drawn to the nativity of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, as these shepherds physically took a journey, they left where they were, and they went and they beheld Jesus Christ. God, we get to do the same thing together right now. So, Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you throw the doors of our hearts open, Lord? Would you you help our ears to unclog and to just really hear good news, the greatest news ever, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, if you were here last week, uh, I I talked to you a little bit about the climate of uh, Jerusalem, Israel, the, the biblical world at this time. And um, I I want just to say again that just before Jesus Christ was born, it was a really gloomy time spiritually. Um, People everywhere who loved God or had some kind of association with, with, you know, the church or the temple at the time, um, they had been waiting for a long, long, long time for this great rescue mission of God. One day God would return. You know, he would come, he would rescue us. And people have been waiting for so long for God to come and rescue them from sin and darkness and death. There's this life and life to the full that's been promised for all the prophets. And and, and what they've had instead of an immediate answer, you know, fulfillment of all this is they've had waiting and waiting for centuries and centuries. And I don't know if you've ever had a long wait before. Um, I've had a few in my life, but, you know, waiting at first is a hassle, and then waiting gets kind of gloomy, but it goes on too long, and it just becomes this agonizing misery, and, and, and that's how it is um, for the people of God during this time, waiting for rescue. It's just turned into misery, and then when you add in that, that not too long before Christ came, um, this part of the world has now been conquered by the, the, the Roman Empire. And now they're, they're dominated by Rome. I mean, it's just gone from bad to worse. And so here it is that, that Luke introduces us, 
Our story picks up today to a poor young couple, kind of a a lower middle class, average everyday couple, um, Joseph and Mary, and they are the soon-to-be parents of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited fulfillment. And here we, the, the story starts out with Mary, and she is nine months pregnant, and um, Caesar, Augustus, at this time decides that this is the perfect moment to call for a national census. Everybody in the Roman Empire has got to go, and they've got to register. And not just register, they've got to go and all of a sudden pay a, a last-minute tax. So here is, is the, kind of the opening feel of this passage. And just so you know, because people wonder, um, back then only, only the head of the household had to go for the census. So only the man has to go and register for its family, so it's not like you've got to grab your kids and your pets and your property and show up to register. Only the man has got to go. And, and so Joseph, alone at least, has got to take this journey to Bethlehem. Um, he's got to travel there from Nazareth, and it's about 90 miles. And if you think about 90 miles without a car, you know, no plane, train, or automobile, 90 miles is a long way to go. And Joseph goes with his wife, Mary, again, who's at full term. She could go into labor at any moment. So he's got this 90-mile journey. And, and listen, if he went by himself 90 miles, it would probably take a week, you know, three days to get there if he's kind of humping it, a day to register, a day to get back. But he's decided to take his wife. And if you think about a woman at full term, whether or not there was a donkey for the whole way or they're on foot or they even, you know, jump on a passing-by caravan... You're talking, if they're lucky, this, this week has turned into at least two weeks. So, Joseph, why do you do this? Why, first of all, do you take Mary? It's such an inconvenience. It's going to be so uncomfortable. I can think of three reasons why Joseph takes Mary. Um, number one, he takes her because she is divinely pregnant, okay? Uh, this is the Immaculate Conception, The father of Jesus Christ, the biological father, is God. This baby's born. Without Joseph around, Mary is open to insult, to scorn, to gossip. So there's one reason. A second reason, very practically, is that in general, missing the birth of your first child is marital suicide, okay? I mean, that's not something you want to do as a husband. So there's reason number two. But, but there is reason number three that we get directly from the text, and it's that Bethlehem is the prophesied birthplace of the Son of God. So it makes so much sense. And they embark together on this grueling trip together. They set off for Bethlehem. And when they get there, every Motel 6, every bed and breakfast is full. There is nowhere for them to say why, because Bethlehem, like everywhere else in the Roman Empire, is swollen with people. And so Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, Mary, the pregnant mother of the Son of God, she ends up that night in a barn, in a stable, and she gives birth to Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Savior, right? And she places him in his first crib, which is a manger, literally a feeding trough. And so Jesus begins his, his, his earthly life, his first days. You talk about obscurity. You talk about poverty. 
And honestly, it fits the spiritual mood, the climate of Israel perfectly at that time. And as you're reading this, many of us think, you know, golly, this would be a good time for a scene change because this is just getting depressing. And Luke is happy to oblige. In, suddenly, he switches scenes now in, in, in uh, verse 8. He takes us now to a remote field. It's not that far away, but he takes us to a lonely field where some shepherds have driven their flocks together for the night. So over here, well, really, almost literally, we've got the manger, right? He takes us to this field with these shepherds who have come together. And this was not that unusual. You know, they've gathered together um, for protection, for comfort. You know, together, a, a few shepherds, they can spend the night chatting it up a little bit, you know, catch up on the latest news, talk about the health of their flock. Um, you know, one of them can take a nap while two or three uh, keep watch. They could, they could watch for predators. And, and, and here are these guys, and just so you know with the shepherds, okay, it's very important. These guys are a living irony, okay? There's something very ironic about shepherds in Israel because um, for shepherds, these guys are absolutely vital to the worship community of, of Jerusalem, of Israel. You know, without the shepherds, you cannot worship because Back then, before Christ came, sacrifices were involved, uh, uh, living sacrifices with these sheep. So they're being raised to be used in temple worship. So, so the shepherds are so important. But then there's the flip side of the shepherds, which is because they handle these animals, because they work with these animals day in and day out, they're ceremonially unclean, and they can't go into the temple to worship. See, I mean, isn't it a wild thing? You know, working with these animals keeps them out. And so what it does for the shepherds is while they're very valuable, they're really on the bottom rung of the ladder when it comes to, to spiritual life, probably economic life. So it makes them lowly but very valuable. Um, it, it, it makes them necessary for temple worship, but they're una unable to enter into worship. And so here they are. On the night that Christ is born, surrounded in the dark by a bunch of sleepy sheep, when suddenly the lights go on. And when I say the lights, I mean it, before spotlights are invented, there is a spotlight. And it is the glory of God. You know, we sing about Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory of God just lights up this field. And right in the middle of the Shekinah glory of God is an angel. And it is unexpected, it is sudden, it is supernatural. I mean, this is Moses and the burning bush. And the shepherds, the shepherds are terrified. The angel has to say to them, don't be afraid because these guys are shaken in their boots. Is this the judgment of God? What is this? We have no grid for this. So the, shepherd, the angel has to say to the shepherds, guys, relax. I've got good news and it's not just good news, it's great news. It's the greatest news ever. The news that I've got to share with you, it is going to bring great joy to the six of you. No, to everyone. Everyone is going to be overcome with joy. The hope, the desire of the centuries is fulfilled tonight. This is, this is the promise of God to Abraham, that blessing will come to the nations. This is the promise of God to Eve that one day one of her descendants will crush the devil. This is the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy. All of those prophecies of Isaiah 
Today in Bethlehem, a Savior is born to you. And it's not just any old Savior. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. He's born, the anointed one. He's here. And I would just give at least one paycheck to see the faces of these shepherds. You know, can you imagine just the change of expression? The, ah, to, oh, yeah. They've got to be freaking out here. And I love that the angel doesn't even ask them, hey, would you like to go see the Messiah? The, the angel just takes it for granted that the shepherds are going to go. So he gives them information. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And I know we hear that, you know, and we think, well, that sounds kind of vague, you know. Why not some street directions? You know, well, why not at least narrow it down to the neighborhood? But stop and think about it. How many babies are going to be lying in a manger ever? You know, it's not like the shepherds are going to run around from manger to manger going, oh, is it this one? Oh, is it? No, Jesus will be very easy to find. And so what is happening here is just mind-blowing. But I think that how it happens is just as mind-blowing. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, the angel is, is standing before them stoically with a scroll in his hand, you know, reading off the information. You can tell by the wording here, this angel is excited. He is jacked up to the max. I mean, his wording, good news, great joy today, right over there. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, the angels worked up. I believe the angel's getting more and more worked up as he goes along. So worked up that finally when the rest of the angels show up, you know, there's a little delay in the, in, in the Star Trek, you know, beam up. Suddenly, the rest of the angels show up. It, it says in verse 13, an angel heavenly host appears, which is army lingo for suddenly a whole lot of angels are there. Angels are everywhere. When they appear... It's like the, the angel can't even talk anymore. They just start worshiping. They break out into worship. They're, they're like a volcano that just suddenly erupts together. Instead of lava, it's worship, but they're just erupting with God's awesomeness, with what God has done. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So they have this praise that points straight to God. God has done this. All glory and honor back to him. But the praise also, it's also horizontal. And on every one of you who encounter this Christ, who behold this child tonight and forever, the peace of God, the peace of God is yours. The peace that the world cannot understand. We're not talking about the cessation of war or, well, it's kind of a nice time economically. But true peace with God will fall on everyone who welcomes this prince. And this, this kind of peace, it's wellness with God. It's oneness with God. It's wholeness with God. And so having heard this, the angels depart. They go back up into heaven and, and the shepherds are kind of like, you know, they hear all this, they take a look at each other, and they're like, let's go, and they're gone. They take, I mean, the, the, the shepherds peel out of there. And as I've pointed out in years past, they just leave the sheep in the dust, you know? I mean, they are gone to Bethlehem. And, and here's what's amazing now, you know, they were a living irony before. You know, here they are so valuable to the temple, but they can't enter into the temple well, now here are these guys who tend the temple sheep for worship, and they are the very first ones to behold the Lamb of God. What a flip. 
I mean, isn't that cool? And, and, and I think a, a sub-point here is that God rewards us. You know, when you faithfully serve the Lord like these guys have, in obscurity, night after night, day after day, serving the Lord, there's always a reward with God. And I pray that, that we all remember that. You know, we feel like, oh, I'm just plugging away for God. He is a rewarder of those who, who seek His face and those who, who serve Him. So anyway, the shepherds go at top speed, and uh, they find Jesus in Bethlehem. And it's exactly like the angel said it would be. And then here's what happens next. Don't miss it, because I think it's pretty incredible in verse 17 and 18. When the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd had told them. Did you catch what happened there? Because what just happened to these shepherds, these lowly shepherds, they just got a brand new assignment from God. These dudes got the biggest spiritual upgrade of all time. Actually, what they got was an angelic assignment. See, the shepherds have just replaced the angels from verses 13 and 14. You remember, the angels show up, right? Again, the, the, the angels witness to what God has done, and then the angels break into worship. That's exactly what the shepherds have done here. They've replaced the, 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 the angels because the shepherds witness to everyone what God has done as they leave beholding Christ, and they, uh, they break out to worship themselves. It says, they spread the word about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for everything they had seen and heard. So these guys literally go from standing around in a field in the dark of night with a bunch of dumb sheep to beholding Christ, overflowing with good news and praising God. And as they're doing it, the heads and the hearts of people, everyone who encounters them, all these heads and all these hearts are turning back to God. It's just the most beautiful thing. And folks, that is the gospel, that Jesus Christ has set us free. You know, they're telling the news, he's here for us. He's here for us, calling us into a life of worship. And I'll tell you, this is freedom. This is the freedom Christ came to give every one of us, everyone who truly beholds this Jesus. This is meant to be us. We, in a very real sense, are kind of like the angels. We become kind of like the shepherds here. As we behold him, we're transformed. You know, we, we, we come to life, we're changed, we're filled with joy, and we get the biggest upgrade of all time. Even here in the 21st century, we get the ultimate payday. We, we, we hit the jackpot spiritually. I see, that, that's what this is all about. You know, you talk about a reason to sing and dance. You talk about a reason to just be obnoxiously overflowing with laughter and rejoicing. Jesus Christ is it. He's meant to make that kind of a difference in the lives of every one of us. I think a question I asked myself as I wrote the sermon was, you know, when you behold Christ, well, I, well first I was thinking about the shepherds. I thought, you know, how do the shepherds go back to, re to regularly scheduled programming after what happened to them that night? You know, how do they ever go back to singing the blues, to the same old, same old, you know, to life as a drudgery? How do they do it? I, I don't think they can. 
But I think it's a great question for you and I today. How do we ever go back to, oh, after beholding Christ? But we do it, don't we, sometimes? It shouldn't be that way. Not when we have been set free to worship. Not not when we've been turned into a member of that angelic choir. Our lives are meant to be different. You know, remember when when the vision team was putting together the uh, vision statement for KPC, that was one of the reasons why we included that first line. We, we put this line in print, and we said KPC's mission is to deeply experience the love and the presence of God in worship. Part of the reason we wrote that was to put it in print and remind ourselves that worship is at the heart of our salvation. Man, you take worship out of church life and... I really don't want to define what you turn into, but, but it's got to be there. We wanted to remind ourselves going forward that, you know, uh, worshipers are who we are. It, 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 it was what we, we were made to be. This is what we were saved for. All day, every day, we are meant to be worshipers. Even when life gets tough for us, we are meant to worship our way through, especially during those times. You and I are like the shepherds. We are a living story of God's rescue, of of, of redemption, of resurrection. We are his story in this world. Jesus has changed everything everything for us now. We're part of the heavenly choir. And so what's our aim here? Our aim on Sunday morning is to worship like a house on fire. You know, whether we do it, and you can do it somberly, you know, you can do it reverently, but that, man, when we come together, the the flames of our hearts are stoked, and we let it rip because of what he's done. We also want to go out of here and burn brightly for the other six and a half days of the week. Burn brightly with lives of worship. And then for the rest of our lives, just keep on worshiping, keep on going down here, because really all this is is just a warm-up for a heavenly worship service that's really going to kick one day when we leave this earth. So, Jesus Christ has set us free. Let me pray for us. Father God, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we just pray that right now every shackle, every chain would be broken. Lord, we get caught up in so many things as Christians. You know, the person next to us or the bill that has to be paid or, you know, whether we're familiar with what's being sung or the way it's being sung. Oh, Lord, that is all, that, that's all just, just drivel and commentary. Father, I thank you that, that we are worshipers, and you call us to worship you in spirit and in truth, which is just another way of saying that we are called to worship you with everything we have, all that we are. And so I pray today that, that chains would break. Lord God, I ask that, that anything that holds us back would just be annihilated, any wall would crumble in Jesus' name and that, Father, we would live a very different life as people who have beheld Christ and now we are, just, we are just lost in wonder. And that wonder just has to turn into witness. Father, God, thank you. We bless you. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you now for the privilege of just being able to enter back in to worship with maybe a little more gusto that we had when we started in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one last thing before I go. 
um, we are going to transition to worship and then at the end, communion. One other little caveat for, uh, for the Advent season, Jane and I are going to be doing a podcast. Uh, it'll appear, I think, every Wednesday, and we're going to be reflecting back on the themes of, of, uh, of Christmas. We'll have some conversation just about different points uh, in the passage, things the Lord stirred up in us. Maybe take a question or two from you if you send it our way. But we're gonna, we really want to lean into the season. And I thank our beautiful worship team who is now going to lead us into worship. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.